people's lives are being changed and God is doing something awesome. So, of course, I thought about going there, but then I thought, ah, I can catch it through the internet, you know. I can download it. <laughs> so, um, that was what I thought. And then a prophetic friend of mine had a dream where he saw me and another guy at the meetings uh, with Todd Bentley. And uh, he came to me with that dream. And of course, somewhere inside, I wanted to say, yes, we're going now. But uh, I had just been to America, and I thought, ah, better. We, we catch it on the internet. But then, a few weeks later, a guy called me and said, I feel the Lord has uh, spoken to me about you should go to, uh, to Florida, and I'm willing to pay for your air ticket. Yeah. So, you know, it's... God has his ways. And I like this kind of way, you know. Yeah. I like that, you know. Sometimes it's a little bit harder, but this, this way I like. So, uh, more of that, Lord, please. Yeah. yeah. God is good. Yeah. So, <clears throat> revival. What is revival? I mean, revival is actually pretty easy. Because revival is, seen from my point of view, revival is... Just a bunch of people getting hungry for more of God. Revival comes by God's grace. It doesn't come by a lot of works and a lot of works of man. And we have done this and we have done that. And we've prayed for 10 hours a day. And we've, you know, really fasted for 100 days. And then God finally showed up. You know? That's not how it is. Revival is an act of God's grace. It's something that comes by grace. And, 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 and what triggers it is the hunger of people who love Jesus. You know, that's how revival comes. That's how you stir the heart of God is you get hungry. You get desperate. You just, I just need more of your presence, Lord. I'm hungry for your presence. I'm hungry for you, Jesus. I'm so hungry, Lord. You just, God, you just have to show up at, at, at our church. You just have to show up, Lord, when I'm, I'm together with you because I'm so hungry, Lord. You know, that's the spirit of revival. You know, that's the spirit of revival. It's a bunch of people getting hungry for God, coming together, and then the Holy Spirit shows up and something magnificent happens. It's nothing, it's not, nothing to do with you, actually. <laughs> you know? You know? So, so get hungry. <laughs> okay? You, you need to get hungry. You know? So, I think it was Wesley, one of the revivalists from way back, um, that said like this. He, he, he said this way. They, on the question, there was some journalist or whoever. Somebody asked him a question. So how come every church you go to, there's a revival? How come? I mean, a lot of pastors want to know that. How, how, you know? And he would say this. He would say, you know, the reason why revival comes every time I come to a church is, he would say, I gather a crowd, I light myself on fire, and I let them watch me burn. That's revival. You know? It's you getting hungry for Jesus, coming on fire and letting other people watch you burn. And it doesn't have to be in a church like with Wesley. He came to churches, gathered people, and he started a fire. You are in a workplace somewhere. You're working somewhere. You're in a school somewhere. You're doing stuff. You're in a neighborhood. You're in a community somewhere. And you can be together with God, put yourself on fire, and let them watch you burn. There's nothing that attracts people more than a person who's on fire for something, who has a passion, who is, is, is passionate about their faith. And that's the spirit of revival. You know? I say it's by grace. And, 
I really believe it's by grace. It's God's sovereign grace. But sometimes we have this thought that it's something that just falls down from heaven. You know? Oh, my church, we need revival. Oh, we need revival. God, won't you just do something? Because we need revival. You know? And then we just wait and wait until something happens. But revival is really you getting hungry. You getting into a place where you say, God, I'm hungry. I need your presence. I need your fire in my life. Lord, I need... That, that's my only desire, Lord. And then you put yourself on fire. And people will watch you burn. And, you know, nothing that's dry that touches the fire uh, is left uh, without becoming a fire. You know? Everything that meets fire becomes fire. You know? Everything that meets fire becomes fire. That's how it is. It's a spiritual law. What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. Okay? So... So are you ready for some fire this morning? That's good. <clears throat> let's, just, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence right now. Lord, we thank you that you're here to touch us with fire. Lord, you're here to give us, restore passion in our hearts, Lord. You're here to restore passion and a longing for you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we just want to say to you right now that we're hungry. We're thirsty, Lord. Lord, we don't want church as usual. We're thirsty. We're hungry, Lord. We're desperate for you. We have to meet you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you that you'll be right here with your fire. Thank you. Come with your fire. Lord, Lord, stir the hearts of man, Lord. May we catch your fire, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I believe that... Uh, God put um, a message on my heart this morning um, that I want to share with you. I was once uh, I was going to Wales to preach at a conference, and on the airplane, I was uh, praying and you know reading something, and then a thought came to me from the Lord, uh, where He said, "Mess, I want to raise up a fearless generation." God was saying, I, I have a passion for a fearless generation. I want to raise up, raise up a generation without fear. A generation that is without fear, where fear cannot touch them. That's what I'm raising up. That's what I want to raise up in this hour, in this time. I want to raise up a people who are fearless. <clears throat> and so I was pretty excited about that. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, yeah. I don't know. If you're not excited about that, I mean, you should check your pulse. Uh, I don't know if you're alive then. I mean, okay. God want to raise up a fearless generation. But how many know that if you look at your own life and your own uh, way of thinking, how many can say that they're 100% fearless without fear? 100%. Anybody? No. We all, to some degree, need uh, a transformation of our minds. Isn't that right? We need to be transformed. Because most of us, in some way or another, we have a fear. Either it's a fear of man or it's a fear of uh, circumstances or whatever. I mean, America is going through a pretty bad time right now. We see that on the news, financially. And uh, so fear is one of the biggest enemies. Do you know what hinders us the most in progressing in God and in actually uh, seeing people saved or whatever? It's actually fear. Fear is what hinders us most in progressing in the things of God. 
I believe. So we need to overcome fear. We need to overcome that because it's like a wall that we come to and then fear suddenly is there and we cannot, you know, we draw back. That's what happens. You know, we draw back often when we, when we experience fear, we draw back. So we need transformation of the mind. And the Lord began to, to, over a period of a couple of years or something like that, began to speak to me about the generation that he wants to raise up in this time. And I want to share something with you about that. And I'm doing that because I want to give, give you a, a taste of the, picture, of the big picture of what God is doing right now and he wants to do in your life. How you fit into this big plan of God's and how, uh, how you can begin to cooperate with him in this time. So turn with me to Romans 12. You all know the scripture. But let's do it anyway. It says, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. So how many has read this scripture and said, yeah, that's right, we need to have our minds transformed, that's right, Lord, we need to have our minds transformed. And then the, the preacher comes and he makes an altar call and, oh, I need my, my tomorrow it's going to be different, Lord. You know, I repent, Lord, my mind has to be transformed, Lord, I repent. And, and uh, then uh, two or three or four weeks go and then it's back to normal. Okay? How many has been at a conference? Oh, Lord, I need it. Oh, I need to transform my mind. Things have to change. And then we come and then we are being prayed for and all this. And then two, three, four weeks, maybe a couple of months if we're lucky. And then things are back to normal. How many has been there? I mean, don't be shy. I can raise my hand. I've been there, you know. But it says here that it's about a transformation of the mind. But it doesn't say in this scripture how your mind is being transformed. I've heard hundreds of messages on this scripture. Uh, and it, some of them good messages, but, but most of them were actually more on change than on transformation. You know, use these three steps and then you're changed. You know, or uh, something, you know, uh, how you change your life, but not so much on transformation. And what the Lord started to show me was that what he's after is not change. God doesn't want change. He wants transformation. God is all about transformation, not change. Change is where you add something to your life and maybe take something away. You know, there's a lot of churches. They build big churches on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, personal, what do you call it? Personal development or, you know, become a better person. All their messages is about, this is how you become a better person. How do you become less angry? How do you become more positive? You know, all this. Many people can build a big church on that. You have many of them here in America. They're building churches on helping people to change a little bit here and a little bit there. But what God's Word is actually about and what the plan of God and what Jesus did on the cross was not change. It was transformation. He wants to change and transform lives totally. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. I need to read that from the other. Sorry. 
That's why I brought this. 3.18 says like this. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So what the Lord began to show me was that transformation doesn't come by you trying to add something of, oh, I have to become a better person, Lord. Lord, I need to become a better person. It, that's not the way it works. As this scripture says, the transformation comes by beholding the glory of the Lord. And when you behold the glory of the Lord, you become that glory that you're looking at. Okay? That's the spiritual principle. That when you look at the Lord's glory, it's like a mirror that you are beginning to become what you're seeing in the Lord. Oh, man, you're quiet for Americans. So you become what you behold. What you look at, you're being transformed into that image. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have to look at the Lord's glory. So what is that? That's the next question I ask the Lord. Lord, I mean, you say we are to behold your glory. What is that? Is that just a nice tickling sensation that's come on me on a, at a worship service in a worship time oh it's the glory oh, oh how nice now I'm transformed no what does it mean to behold the glory of the Lord let me share that with you and you know if you catch this and I'm saying this can become a, a revival in you I just don't want just to stir you up and give you a nice evangelistic preaching here you know I want to give you something that can build something in you. So that if you catch this, this can transform your life. This can transform your Christianity. Okay? So beholding the Lord's glory. Let's look in Exodus 33. Don't worry. I am going to pray for you afterwards. I am going to give you a little bit of fire, okay? Exodus 33. And I'm reading from verse 18. Here, this is Moses. Moses is talking to the Lord. And how many remembers the first time that Moses has an encounter with God? You know, the burning bush? The bush encounter. And um, when, when you study Moses there, you see him really fearful. Isn't that right? He, he keeps on coming with these excuses to the Lord when the Lord says... Moses, I want to use you. I'm, I'm, I want to use you to, 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 to change the nation. I want you to bring them out, you know, of captivity and into a new... And he says, he has this excuse, but Lord this, but Lord that, but Lord this, but Lord... And then at the end he says, Lord, send somebody else. Can't be me, Lord. Send somebody else. Because he was so full of fear. But he had an encounter with the Lord there in the bush. And now, time has gone by and we see... Moses, again, is a totally different Moses. He's been transformed. And that's what having an encounter with the Lord will do to you. It changes you. I mean, I doubt if you come to me, I saw an angel this, I had an encounter, and I was lying in the Spirit and all this. And if you're not changed, I doubt that you had an encounter with the Lord. If you're not left 
transformed. I doubt that that was the Lord. That pro probably were your soul or something that else. It wasn't the Lord. If you come out of an encounter with the Lord, you're changed, man. You're not the same. If you saw an angel, you're not just, I saw an angel. And, and you're totally the same. You still have the bad character. You're still, you know, all this kind of thing. If you met an angel or if you saw the Lord, your life is transformed. That's how it was with Moses. His life was transformed. And you see that when you read uh, chapter 33 and chapter 34, you see Moses being, Lord, we need your presence. I mean, he's, he's almost telling the Lord what to do. The Lord's saying, I'm not going to go with you. And then Moses says, Lord, you need to go with us. If, you're not, if you don't go with us, we're not leaving this place. From, oh Lord, send somebody else to saying, Lord, if you are not coming with us, we're not leaving. Something has been transformed, isn't that right? Something has changed. Because he was in the presence of God. It says about Moses that he went into the tent and he spoke with the Lord face to face. He spent time with the Lord and when he came out, his face was glowing and he was changed. Don't go around speaking so much about encounters and angels if your life is not transformed. Okay? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you're spending time with the Lord, that changes you. That changes your character. That changes the way you think, the way you speak, the way you talk. I mean, I heard a preacher once says that if you're going down the road and a big, big um, 12-ton truck comes driving by and it runs into you, you look different. Okay? I mean, you look different. You talk different. You walk different. Isn't that right? If a 12-ton truck, or how, how they are, I mean, you look different, you talk different, and everything. Okay? People can see he's been with the Lord. She has been with the Lord. Something has changed. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we have Moses. And what he's saying to the Lord, he's had this, Oh, Lord, you have to go with us. And the Lord says, Okay, I'll go with you. Because you say it. Because my grace is on you, Moses. You found grace in my eye, my eyes. My grace is on you, Moses. So if you ask me, I'll do it. That's the kind of grace I'm going for. Man, not just the covering grace, you know. Not just the grace that only covers the sin. We have that. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, how could we get by without it? Couldn't get into heaven or anything. But there's more than the covering grace. There's the empowering grace, you know. There's the grace that empowers. You know? I want that grace. Moses had it. My grace is on you, Moses. So whatever you ask, I'll do it. I'll even forgive the people because you ask for it. And it's this kind of spirit that the Lord is rising, raising up in this time. Okay? This kind of aggressive, um, holy hunger spirit. Okay? Hallelujah. Verse 18. It says, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the thing is, I've been, if you're with Pentecostals or Charismatic or whatever you want to call them, I mean, I have a lot of names. I mean, glory is always a glory, tickling down my back and oh, glorious, you know? But, and that's good and that's fine and I love that. I mean, we're doing that in our church and all this, okay? I love that when people have a. a Nice experience and all this. It's great. It's great. But the glory is more than that. I mean, the glory is not just a happy, clappy time and a good experience and a nice meeting. That's not just the glory of the Lord, man. It's something different. Something different. And I'm contending for that. 
I'm, I'm standing in faith for that kind of glory. Let me share it with you, what the Lord has shown me. Verse 21. Oh, verse 21 is just because I like this verse. I like to preach on this. Let's, let's just take verse 21. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you can stand on the rock. When my glory passes by, I will put my, you in the cleft in the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. There's a place in the cleft of the rock. And that's Jesus. God has provided for you and me a place where we can stand and behold His glory. He has provided that place. With me, there is a place. Do you know that you by faith can enter into that place? I mean, it's one thing to be placed there. You received Him by grace and you, you said yes to Jesus and you're there. But there's a place, you know, it says that by faith we enter into the mercy in which we stand. So you already are standing there, but in a way you can enter in. Isn't that, it's, it's funny words, isn't it? You can enter in by faith to the grace in which you already stand. So in the Spirit, you're already placed there in Christ. Okay? You're placed there in that grace. I mean, that's, that's where you're placed. But in another way, in your experience, there's a place that you can enter into. Okay? How many knows that I'm placed in heavenly places with Christ? Isn't that right? Ephesians says so. I'm, I've been placed in heavenly places with Christ. Okay? But how many then also know? And it says, I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. The Bible says so in Ephesians. Every spiritual blessing. But how many has had experiences that in a way contradict that? I know I have. My experience is not always I'm in heavenly places and I, can, I have all spiritual blessing and all that. Because sometimes experiences come and they're, they're different. And that's why the Bible says that you're placed in that grace. This is, a, this is your spiritual reality. I'm placed in heaven. All spiritual blessings are there. I'm in God's grace. I'm placed there. But then in my walk, in my daily walk, there's a place that I can enter into when circumstances come, when challenges come, when, when the daily lives come, when all these financial pr- uh, problems or sickness, whatever, there's a place that I can step into. I'm already there. But I, by faith, can enter into it so that that can be a reality in the physical world. That's why we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reality is there in heaven, and I'm placed there already. But it has to be, in a way, ushered in. It has to be received by faith to be my reality here on earth. And God has provided that place in Christ. And that's the place you can enter into. It's amazing. God showed me a picture once. He gave me a vision where I saw myself standing there. You know, it talks about <clears throat> it talks about the mercy seat. You know, when the when the, the, the priests went into the holy of holies, and you know they would have a, a, a rope around their foot and a bell, and they would enter in. God showed me this in a vision. He showed me the high priest from the old covenant, sweating of fear. Fear was dripping down, you know, he was sweating. He had the rope around his, his, his foot and the bell, and he was so fearful of entering in because, Lord, am I clean? He, you never know. They never knew before they were in there, you know. And some, sometimes they had to pull the, the, the high priest out, you know, and another one had to enter in, imagining being number two. <laughs> Whoa. Have I done my prayers? <laughs> Lord Jesus, you know. 
And then I saw Jesus in the heavenlies. And I saw him standing here with a bowl, we call it a bowl, with his blood in it. And he had this small, satisfying smile on his face. And he just, he walked in with confidence and poured the blood on the mercy seat. And when he poured the blood on the mercy seat, smoke came up. And then the, the vision changed and I was suddenly in a big, big court without walls. And I could see thousands of angels, or whatever it was, thousands of angels in a silver, like, uh, like in, like in the Middle Ages, you know, the knights, and they had this silver thing. And there were banners, and they were just standing there, they were moving. And when they saw the smoke come up, a big shout and a big celebration, because the souls of man had just been released. The souls of man had just been saved there, right there. Every person that Jesus had done the offer there. A big celebration. And then I saw Jesus come out from the, the Holy of Holies in heaven. And I didn't hear what he said or anything. But I just saw him. He sent out the angels to, to help those who uh, are to, um, how is it in English, uh, gain salvation or whatever. Okay? Inherit salvation, yeah. And they were sent out with a new mission. Because it was a new time. And this is your reality in heaven. Jesus has poured the blood on the mercy seat. And you can enter boldly, it says, into the throne of grace and receive mercy and help in due time or in time of need. That's your position in Christ. You know? And I saw, when, when I saw this, God also showed me that on this mercy seat, you're placed there. That's, that's where you are, on the mercy seat. I saw myself standing on the mercy seat with the blood of Jesus around my feet. And the Lord said that in this place, you can ask anything, and I'll give it to you. If you meet healing, if you need, if there's somebody need he needing healing, you can lay your hands on him, and not by your might, not by your strength. Forget yourself, because you're placed on the mercy seat, and you can minister from that place. That's what I mean when I say you can enter into the grace where you already are standing. You know, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Amen. I mean, that makes you fearless. If you know you're standing in that grace, covered by the love of God, totally forgiven, totally changed, you're standing there, you're not going to uh, serve in your own might and your own power. You're not going to minister in your own fantastic you, but you minister out of what you're already placed in in Christ. Healing, salvation, whatever is needed is provided in that place, and you're just the one that's uh, bringing what's in heaven to earth, to people you meet, or to your own needs. That's a wonderful Wonderful place. I'm, ex I'm preaching myself happy. <laughs> oh, man. Preaching myself happy this morning. So if you're sitting here this morning with a need, even if it's sickness or if you're depressed, if you're unstable in, in, your, in, your, in your feelings or, you know, you have a need, I believe that the Lord will heal you. Just by listening to the word, I believe that something is going to be restored in you by listening to this. This is your position in Christ. This is not Todd Bentley. This is not uh, whoever. This is your position in Christ. You can enter into it. You can enter in by faith to the grace you're already standing in. You're already there, man. You're already there. Enter in by faith. Say, I believe this. This is the reality in my life. Okay? It is good. It is good. This can change a nation. 
if a people would stand up and really believe. Someday somebody's going to catch this. You know, someday somebody's going to take this word and run with it. It could change Santa Monica. If you really come into the realization of what your position is in Christ, what he has already done for you, nothing can hinder you. Stronger is he who is in me than he who is in the world in Santa Monica. Stronger is he. I'm placed there and I can enter in by faith. Amen. Man, it's good. Whoa, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Hallelujah. That's great. Hallelujah. 34, verse 5. This is good. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, the gracious God, slow to anger, abiding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love for thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And now comes the part that we are delivered from in Christ. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children's children for their sin of their fathers to the, the three and four generations. And Moses bowed down to the ground and worshipped. The last part here, that's what you said. That's the curse you're set free from in Christ. You know? That's the curse of sin that you're set free from in Christ. This is the revelation. This is glory. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is what pours out of Him. The glory of God is His character. It's His nature. It's the revelation of the heart of God. That is the glory. And that is the glory that's going to fill this earth. It's the revelation of the heart of God. It's not some feeling. Though feelings will come with it. Though experiences will come with it. I was slain, or what do you call it here? I was, you know, resting in the spirit, or whatever you want to call it. I was, I was doing the whole deal in Lakeland, okay? I love that kind of thing. I, was into, I didn't go to Toronto, but I got it received in Denmark. All this kind of thing. I love it. I love it. But the thing is, what is going to cover the earth in this time? It's a revelation of the love of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God. And that is going to stir up a generation that's going to be fearless. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says that true love casts out all fear. When you have a revelation of the love of God, it casts out all fear. And you can do everything the, the Bible tells you to do, what the Lord wants you to do. It's a revelation of the love and the compassion and the forgiveness of God that's going to transform this world. That is the, that is the glory that's going to cover the earth. It's a revelation. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Though you know it sounds biblical, don't you? I've been to Bible college. I'm dignified. I'm been put a hand on and now I'm a pastor hallelujah hallelujah I'm even in a denomination hallelujah it's good Habakkuk hallelujah it's good somebody getting happy today see if I can find Habakkuk I think I bragged too early about the Bible college part it's an index. The index is part of the Holy Scripture as well. You know that. It's part of the Bible. Hallelujah. There we go. And 2.14, it says, For the earth 
will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters colors the sea. It will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. This knowledge is not a knowledge that you get on a Bible college, though it can be a good thing to go to Bible college. But it is a knowledge that is a revelation to you. That's the kind of knowledge we're talking about here. How many know that in the Bible you don't know anything until you had a revelation? You know, that, that's, that's actually what, what it says, you know. If you have knowledge in the Bible, it's something you have experienced. It's not something... In, in our world, it's something I've studied and I know. But how many know... I mean, I could, I could answer correctly on a theology class test on all kinds of subjects. For instance, forgiveness. How many have been battling with um, condemnation? But if we made a theology test right here and right now, most of you, if you've been a Christian for many years, you could answer correctly. I've been forgiven, Jesus, bloodshed, I'm, I'm forgiven. But your experience said something different. Your feelings spoke to you all the time. I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel forgiven. And I've had that. Even being a leader in church, can I feel really, oh, the Lord. But you know, if you get a revelation, it changes the whole thing. No, you need a revelation. And then somebody would say, you know, the religious, they would say, okay, if the glory is about God's goodness, God's compassion, God's forgiveness, and all these things, what about holiness mess? Won't this message about all these kind of things, won't it just make the people run off and do all kinds of crazy stuff? You know, this kind of message, it transforms you. You know? I mean, you, you enter into the kingdom by grace. And you stay in the kingdom by grace. You proceed, you continue. By the same grace as you entered in, you continue in that. But many, many people, they shift to, to uh, works. Okay? But the revelation, as I started by saying, the revelation of the glory of the Lord, which is His goodness, His grace, His compassion, His forgiveness, these things transforms lives. You know, transformation, that's how it happens. By watching that, and then, let me address the biggest problem in the Western church. Say, come on. We want it. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, bring it on, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Psalm. This is one of my favorite psalms. I think I can find this one. Psalm 27. Psalm 27. So, you know, when, when, if you watch on the God channel or something like that, Todd Bentley singing about, oh, singing, but preaching and people singing about the glory of the Lord, this is what they, we're talking about here. You know? Miracles happen out of this revelation. You know, we want miracles, right? We want signs and wonders, right? We want all these kind of things. But it comes out of a revelation of the heart of God. That's the only thing that changes lives. It's a revelation of the heart of God. That brings forth healing. That brings forth all these things. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His holy temple. One thing I ask. This fearless generation that God is is, is raising up is a generation of only one thing they have only one um, they're passionate about one thing what is that one thing is to be in the presence of the Lord 
That's what the Lord is stirring you to, is to have one passion in your life and to be in the presence of the Lord. You know, revelations don't come without spending time with God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to pour any uh, uh, legalistic spirit on you and, oh, I have to spend four hours a day in prayer. and whew. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm just trying to say that this kind of revelation just d- doesn't come by sitting at McDonald's and eating a burger and then suddenly it falls on you. You know, you have to have a passion to spend time with the Lord. That's the biggest problem in the church in the Western world is that we don't really spend time with the Lord. If we're lucky, it's 10 or 5 minutes in the morning. I mean, I'm, that's, that's the hard truth, you know. Or maybe once in a while we fast or something like that to get a better conscience. Well, I fast now three days, Lord. If we come down to it, that's our biggest challenge. Spending time with the Lord. Watching His glory. I mean, how can you see the glory of the Lord? By spending time with Him. Looking in His face. Spending time in meditation. In the Word, meditation. This kind of thing. Meditating on Him. Meditating on a scripture. Meditating on everything that's... If you read it, it comes alive in you. You feel the drip. A drip, you know. It spoke to me. This, this word spoke to me. Meditate on it. Don't just stop and say, oh, what a nice word, and then go on in your day. Keep that word, meditate on it, drink from it, drink from it, drink from it, drink from it, and it can turn into a revelation that can change your life. I mean, God, God has put things... How is it in English? Um, God has hit things for us, the Bible says, to be revealed. Not from us, but for us. God loves hide-and-seek. You know, just in e- like Easter with my little daughter, four years old. I mean, I don't just go and give her an egg. We do that in Denmark. I don't know if you do that. We give her a chocolate egg. I don't just go and give her the chocolate egg. I mean, she would just be okay. It's more fun to place it somewhere in the garden or in the house. You place it somewhere, and she's running around. Where is it, Daddy? Where is it? You know? And she thinks it's more fun. And I don't hide it. You know, I don't put it all the way so she cannot find it. I put it... A- where it's pretty obvious where it is, you know. That's how it is with God. He's not hiding things from you, but He's hiding things for you to come and seek and come and find. And that's how you get into the deep things of God. It's not something difficult, not something hard, but you need to do a priority and say, Lord, I want to be with you in your presence. You know? Then guilt will fall off. Then, then, then things will begin to fall off. In that. I mean, sometimes we just think we need prayer. Bam, 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 you know, bam, 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 and all this. And then everything is going to be changed. But look, man, that's not maturity. That's not maturity. Just give me the hand. Just preach. I don't want to hear anything about spending time with the Lord. I don't want to hear anything about uh, you spending time in my prayer class. Just put your hand on me and pray something over me. That's what I want. Fast food. That's what I want. I love fast food. Put your hands on me. I shake and I roll. And then things have to be changed. I don't want to hear anything about spending time with the Lord. I don't want to hear anything about getting my life on the altar. I don't want to hear anything like that. I just want fast food. Okay? That's a problem in the church. I love to put my hand on you. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing the fire of God come on people. I love seeing people healed. I mean, that also gives me better confidence, you know. That's how it is, man. That's how, I mean, us, that's how it is. You know? I knew you received my message, you know. That's how it is. I'm being, I'm being honest. But you know, we can't go by on fast food alone. I mean, maybe it, get you, well, it will get you into heaven if you hold on to the grace of God. Of course, we'll get to heaven. But there's a mission here on earth. There's a potential God wants to take you into, okay? 
There's something more. There's something great. And you are longing for it. You're hungry for it. That's what you're hungry for. And then revival can be here, not just in Lakeland. Because this is not just about Lakeland. This is about the people of God coming into their full potential. And it doesn't just come by going to Lakeland. I'm sorry, I'm not putting that down. Don't get me wrong. If you want to go to Lakeland, go. It's great. You will catch the fire. You'll get something. I promise you. I'm not putting it down in any way. But I'm saying if you think, okay, I go to Lakeland. But you don't want to spend time with the Lord. Can you see the picture I'm trying to paint? It's fast food. It's all this fast food. Give me a word. What's the latest word? I want a word. Then I can have four weeks of rejoicing. And then it's back to normal. And then I've got to find another preacher. Or another church. Some people do that with church. They spend three or four months in a church. Then the pastor didn't receive me, my prophetic gift, or, oh, he didn't like me. Maybe you had issues, man. Maybe you needed to spend a little more time with the Lord. Maybe you had to work on your character. And if you experience that one, more than one or two times, that's the Lord speaking to you, man. And you have the red light to go anywhere else from the Lord's point of view. I can tell you right now. Hallelujah. God is good. So we were talking about the grace of God and the compassion of God, right? That's what he wants us to enter into. We can behold that in his presence. Let me just give you a quick verse because I love it. I'll try to do quick. But I didn't come all 10,000 miles just to give you a short yelling. Okay? I came to give you something. And I'm telling you, this message, if you catch it, it'll transform your 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 life. I mean, that sounds pretty. I mean, all preachers say that. But this thing, it can change and transform your life. This is, this is what the Lord is taking us into. He wants to reveal His glory. And we're to give it away. I mean, now they're starting to say in Lakeland, come and get some, go and give some. Come and get some, go and give some. You know? Go and give some. Okay, Psalm 103. How many love that Psalm? Psalm 103, how many? Ah, two people. That's nice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, David was a man who had spent time with the Lord. We just read his passion. One thing I long for. And we have to say, David was much like this generation. He wasn't perfect. Okay? If we look at his life, I mean, you can make two studies of David's life. You can make the study of what he did right, and you can make the study of what he did wrong. And he, I mean, he did, I mean, he did some really bad things. I mean, that it's really bad in the church today and we shouldn't do it just because it's there in his life we shouldn't of course not do it it's not what I'm saying but I'm saying that God saw this man's passion in his heart he had a heart for God he was passionate about the things of God and at the end when he died at the end of his life the Lord said here was a man without no fault he had no fault he had no fault that's the, the testimony of God about David man he had character he had integrity. It says something about the heart of God, doesn't it? And that means that all of us have a chance. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, nobody of, of us, are, neither Todd Bentley or whoever is preaching, man, no, none of us are here because we're so fantastic people. It says, I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I, I am what I am because of the grace of God. That's at the end of his life. In, the, in his beginning of his life, he said, I can, I can, you know, he's young, uh, on fire God. And he said, uh, I'm trying to find out in English how it, but, it, you know, all these other apostles, I'm up there. I don't, I cannot quote it uh, 
directly, but I have it here in Danish. You know, he says, I can measure, I'm, you know, the measure, I'm an apostle just like the others. That's what he says in the beginning of his ministry. At the end of his ministry, he says, it's by the grace of God I am what I am. Okay? I have to remember that. It's the grace of God. And that doesn't mean we go around and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but none of us are perfect. Okay? That means that there's, a, there's, there's room for you in the plan of God. You know? You need to learn that. It's important. Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies you with your desire with good things so that your youth can be renewed like the eagles. You know, this is a guy, if you read this, you can sense that this is just not something he knows by theology. He can pass, he's seen it. If you read this, I mean, I, when I read this, I sense that this guy has seen it. Who forgives all my sins. He's seen the forgiveness of God. He's looked into the eyes of God and he saw it. The forgiving heart of God. He, he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He's not talking in faith. He heals all my diseases. He heals all my diseases. He's seen it. He's seen it. Do you know what you see you can have? When you see it, it's yours. I mean, there's something about proclamation. I believe in proclamation and all this. I, I do it a lot. But there's something different about having seen it. Then it's yours. And he redeems your life from the pit. And he crowns you with love and compassion. I mean, David was a he was He majored in, in just looking at the heart of God and being transformed by it. You know, looking at the motions of God, looking at the, the, the glory of God, the thing that flows from Him. So we need to be that way. We need to begin to position ourselves in a way, our lives in a way, to receive that. And the, the, the last thing, I believe, I'll, uh, I'll say here, I love this verse, verse 7, it says, He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. God is looking for those. I mean, He showed... His deeds to the people. You know, you can go to Lakeland or wherever God is moving and you can see the deeds and you can be excited and you can jump around. But then you can press in to a place of intimacy with the Lord and you can know His ways. I'm going for the second thing. We can get excited about the deeds of God and that's great. But what about knowing His ways? What about intimacy? What about being one of God's friends, like Moses, like Abraham? Friends with God. Coming into that intimacy, that place of intimacy. That's where revival starts. That's where you catch the fire. That's where you catch a consistent fire, I would say. Okay? Some of you are challenged this morning. Some of you are excited. Some of you are challenged. But this is what the Lord is, is, is saying to us right now. So, what do we do now? I think we... I want to pray over you. And I want you to know it's not easy to pray in another language. Because you pray from your heart, you know. It's a place of intimacy. 
And I speak, of course, Danish to the Lord when I speak to him. Not English. He understands Danish. <laughs> but I want to pray over you. And I want to release something over you. Some of this revelation. I believe you can pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come on people. Paul did it. And that's what I want to do this morning. I mean, I want to pray for the fire. I want to pray for all these things. But there's just another dynamic in the spirit right now. That there's a wisdom and a revelation that God wants to put on you this morning. Which is going to be deeper than just a touch from heaven. Which is good. Maybe some of you would really get a touch. I believe so. <laughs> you know. But this is going to be deeper. I th- I, yeah. We're going to do that. I think we're going to do it this way. That I'm going to pray a general prayer. And then those of you who are really hungry for this, you come forward. Okay? You need a revelation. You're hungry. God, I just want more of you. I'm so hungry, Lord. I mean, I'm so hungry. Lord, we, we thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you that we're, right now, we just receive what you speak to us. And Lord, we just want to say that we're hungry for you. Lord, we want to see your heart. We want to see your face, Lord. We want to draw close to you, as close as we can get, Lord. Help us. Thank you for grace on our lives. Thank you that we stand in a position of grace. Thank you that that is our reality in Christ. Every one of us. Every one of us who have received Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that there's this reality. We're placed in Christ. And thank you that we can get things by faith from there. And Lord, we want to enter into this place of intimacy. We're hungry and we're thirsty for you this morning. And Lord, I pray over your people here. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come on each and every one of them. And thank you that we receive that by grace. You you can do nothing to deserve this. So just, just relax and let a spirit of wisdom and revelation come on you. Don't be focused on your own shortcomings and all this. Just receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning. Lord, I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Lord. 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 Wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Passion for you. Fire for you. Burning fire for you. Passion for your presence. Passion for your presence. Passion not only for your deeds, but for your ways, Lord. Passion. Knowing your ways, Lord. We want to know your ways, Lord. Lord, we are hungry for knowing your ways, Lord. Come with a passion, Holy Spirit. Come with a passion, Holy Spirit. Come with a passion, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to, if, if you want to receive prayer, come up now. Just come up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to ask Daniel to join me in praying. Amen.